0: Hello, I'm Aisha, and you're listening to Tossing Pennies. Hello, guys. We are today talking about Little Woman. Um, I'm quite excited about this topic, actually. I am very excited. Um, Talking about this topic is the reason, was one of the reasons that I even wanted to start this podcast, which sounds awful, but let me explain I quite vividly remember um, just like literally sitting on my bed a couple weeks ago and just I remember I had like gone on like a two-hour long rant over FaceTime about like Little Woman and like how much it means to me. Um, If you've had like a single conversation with me, one of the many things that you're going to be able to collect like after like a single conversation is how much I love that movie. I don't understand why. But I simply do. And I love talking about how much I love that movie. Anyway, so I was talking to one of my friends about that movie because I had watched it like for, not even kidding, maybe for the 30th or 30, definitely 35th, 36th, like in that area, um, for like the 35th time that weekend. And I was just like kind of rambling on about that movie and how much I love it. And I remember just like sitting in bed later that night and thinking like, gosh, if I could just like talk about like a topic like that for like, you know, as long as I wanted and just like at least have it out there, that would be just be so great because it would just be me getting to collect all my thoughts on a topic that I like think a lot about, but like have it said out loud in the world. And then just, I don't know, I just think there's like something so much more validating about having something you like or something that you think a lot about, but having it said out loud. Um, and I think it just like kind of helps you figure out a lot more about just just like why you like it or what your thoughts really are. Um, so that's what this podcast is a lot about. And a little woman was like a very big motivator to even starting this. So I thought I should just, you know, mention that. But we're talking about Little Woman today. We're talking about the 2019 movie. I know that there are like, I think there are like five other major um, versions of Little Woman that people actually know actually, three, I would say, major versions of Little Woman that I guess um, get talked about other than the 2019 one. I feel like I could dedicate like an entire other podcast to just kind of dissecting my thoughts on just like comparing the other movies um, all the different versions of little woman but today we're just gonna kind of keep it till just the thoughts on kind of the story of little woman but also the story as told by um, this movie which I think is really profound and amazing and I have very high opinions of it I think that some of my thought my takes on the movie are not necessarily controversial but they're they're just I have gotten poor reactions to them. So I'm just prefacing everything I'm about to say with that. Um, it's not a warning so much so as just, you know, I think you're going in as an informed listener to some extent. Yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. I just want to dive right in. Um, kind of, I think it's, it's, it's worth like, I, I think like it's not great to talk about the movie without, you know, at least acknowledging the fact that that, book exists. Um, I love the little little one, the little woman book, the book itself. I read it for the first time. I read it like in middle school. It's probably one of the first classics that I read that I genuinely enjoyed, but here's, here's my thing. Um, And then, and so I read it like in middle school. I think I must've read it like in sixth grade. Um, just because I don't know why I was reading it in sixth grade, honestly, but I think it was because like someone had said that it was like a higher level reading. And I was like, I want to be qualified as like a higher level reader. So I just read the book. Um, but I've had a hard time ever since like rereading the book. So like in high school, I remember I picked it up again, just trying to read it for like a book club that I was a part of. And I just wasn't able to like finish it. Like I, I remember going through the book and like rereading like some excerpts that I really liked. I really love like Amy's monologues or like Amy's, a lot of like just Amy's um one-liners in the book. And so I remembered where a lot of them were or I found where they were through the power of the internet and I would reread them but I just and I also read it here and there but I never was able to like sit down and finish the book and I still haven't been able to and I I am like an avid reader um, and I thought for a while that it was because I don't like classics which you know until like two years ago would have been the absolute truth and then like last year especially I went like on like this like binge reading kind of rabbit hole of reading basically like all the main classics that I knew in my head um so I don't think it's that but I think I think there is something to be said about like I don't know I just think the experience of reading books changes dramatically when you watch it in like live in live motion like you watch like a movie of it um does it necessarily like taint the experience of rereading it? I don't think it happens for all books, but I think that there's a special effect with classics where it does. Let me clarify. I think that's like part of the longer or like a, a longer conversation that we could have had, we could have about like why people find classics so uninteresting today. Like it's kind of, I don't know, I just think it's funny that like classics are classics because they were like extremely popular at a time and they've like held the test of time and they're like popular, like two centuries, maybe more um, after. And I think that's why they're popular because people liked it, liked it enough to like make it, you know, something that they read to their kids or something that they like wanted other generations to read. And that's why like, you know, for example, the book, Little Woman, it's been like two centuries or almost actually, no, I don't know if it's been exactly two centuries, but it's definitely been like it's near nearing two hundred years since it was written, but it's still a book that's widely celebrated and talked about. And, you know, we literally just had a movie recreation of it three years ago. So it's interesting that these books, like, were so meant so much to people. And then, like today, not that it doesn't mean as much to people, like i'm I'm like literally recording a podcast about Little Woman. But I think like more people find it difficult to read these books, like read classics than, you know, especially for books that are so widely celebrated and loved Um, it's interesting that like an entire population just doesn't find them as exciting and I think my theory on that is that um, like most of these classics are like blueprints for a lot of the plots that we see today not only in like other books or like newer books but in movies and tv shows and all these other things that like require plots Right. Like I think like an example that just comes to mind just because I'm staring at Pride and Prejudice like on my bookshelf right now while I'm talking um, is Pride and Prejudice. And I think like there are so many recreations of the Pride and Prejudice like plot of whole dynamic is like widely celebrated in like so much cinema. Um, And I think that like a lot of the other themes of Pride and Prejudice like in smaller portions is also I feel like I see it reflected in a lot of other movies and whatnot. And it's just interesting that, you know, I I think that it's like a harder read. Like if you tell someone to read Pride and Prejudice, they'll probably have a harder time than like if they had to watch like 10 Things I Hate About You, which is like an hour and a half long movie, which is not at all anything like Pride and Prejudice, but like the themes of um, uh, just some of the relationship dynamics are a little bit similar. And that's what I mean by like these books are the blueprints for a lot of the more, a lot of the plot lines that developed like later on, like, you know, like a um, movie that was produced like years and years like decades after Pride and Prejudice was first written by Jane Austen it's it's just like an easier plot to consume because it's like an hour long video hour long movie like the characters are a little bit more dramatic than the classics so they're like a little bit more entertaining to watch and there's just like a lot of things that are like just they're they're made purposely so that you are your attention is bought by it And I think that's part of the reason why classics have lost, like, I wouldn't say they've lost anything because I still really do enjoy reading them, but I think that's why it's harder for people to read classics. It's because a lot of the stories, a lot of the themes that gets that have, you know, that gets explored in classics, whether we're talking about like greed or vanity or, you know, like friendships gone awry or like the many difficult stages of like growing up and getting older and losing childhood and then also like there's several takes on relationships that like all these classics take on I think get explored in much more quote-unquote like exciting ways like in newer movies that are made movies tv shows books that are literally constructed to grab your attention and then so then when you read the blueprint you're just like not as excited because you read more like plot filled or very like dynamic versions of that same character, that same plot over and over. And you've seen those different versions of them. So the blueprint is not as exciting to you. And I think, I think with classics, like my relationship with classics shifted a lot when I just got like this appreciation for writing. Um, like, do I think the picture of the Dor- of Dorian Gray is like the most like profound book in the world? in terms of plot, like, I don't know, not necessarily, but do I think Oscar Wilde is like an incredible writer and his writing is literally just, it's it's incredible. And I genuinely enjoyed like reading the words on the pages of that book. Yes, a hundred percent. And I think that's what made that classic so memorable for me was like the very, um, like the incredible imagery and the just the way that he ordered and used words um, were very like Oscar Wilde-esque things. I'm talking a little bit about Oscar Wilde because I recently like ordered a book of poetry and I'm not like a really big poetry person because unfortunately like I'm still stuck on that. I don't know I just I just I've never like gotten poetry and I'm like really trying to get it like I'm I'm like my mind is open and I'm trying to like get more involved in reading poetry and understanding why people like it so much so I'm trying and everyone recommends Oscar Wilde to me all the time so um he's been on my mind because I just literally got his book of poetry like the other day so I have to sit down and start like skimming through that book but so yeah I just wanted to kind of start this podcast off I kind of went on a rant side rant over there but that's okay um but yeah I just about like my relationship with the book and um, also just like my thoughts on why people find reading classics so difficult. That's kind of it. Okay, moving along. So Little Woman, Um, I think it's it's a story about multiple things. I think that like the thing that most captured people's attention when it was first published was definitely the, the very like domestic and mundane character of it all. Like I think it's a book that you read to just know what was going on in their life like on a day-to-day basis like exciting things did happen and there were like definitely like moments of like a lot of excitement but it's not like in a typical sense it's it's a lot of stuff that you have to take meaning out of and um I think I think just generally like it was supposed to be a very mundane and very like um easy to read type of of literature um but I also think that I mean Louisa May Alcott like was I think she's incredible and I want to talk more specifically about her later on the podcast so I'm not going to ramble on about her right now but I think one of the main things that stands out to me about her and her writing is the very um the very obvious displays of like feminism and it's it's um it's very obvious in a lot of her writing especially like some of the characters are just feel like they are people that she sees herself in and they are reflections of her and where she was in her life at that time and I think Joe is I I mean we're going to go more more into detail about the other characters so not want to don't want to spoil too much of that either so so far we've talked about just like domestic details um um there is this element of feminism in it but obviously like in a very 19th century cookie cutter like really nicely packaged way Um, but it's there and in just my personal opinion, I think that sometimes those forms of feminism or those forms of of, um, revolting against something are more important or just as important, if not more important in a lot of these larger movements um, for change. And that's just my take on it. And I think that this was an example of that. Um, I also think it's obviously you know, a story about family and it's a story about, um, having close bonds with your family and um, going through hardships and going through good times and maintaining that and that's like a just it's a very obvious take nothing like special over there it's like in the name I mean it's not in the name but it's like it's a story about four sisters so it's a family is a big part of it but I think the reason that I love this book this book and this movie so much is because of the overwhelming exploration of just just leaving childhood and I think that's like the center of especially the movie adaptation the Greta Gerwig um, the version directed by Greta Gerwig I think very much centers on exploring childhood and like leaving childhood and I think I think a lot of people get stuck on just talking about Jo and her um, kind of having a hard time with realizing that childhood is over but in my in my like interpretation of everything I think all four of the sisters go through it and I think they all go through it in their own ways and um, it's just really interesting to see the different ways they go through it because it's all versions of that experience that I've seen in my own self Um, so that's just kind of my main takes on the themes Um, I just kind of wanted to talk a little bit more about the growing up theme just because I think that the book or at least, so the movie does a good job of, I think, showing this difference in people who 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 like are in child are are experiencing like childhood or this more bright and comfy and cozy version of their life because they're young and because they don't have like responsibilities in the adult sense and because they're with family and they're they're with people who love them and think of them and. Are around them all the time and you know those people just want to hold on to that and when things start to change like people get older people move people become part of society in different ways they're just not able to handle it and this book explores that really well but it also explores people who who go through that same childhood but then are able to they're just they have a easier time saying goodbye and I think that's that's incredible because I think both of those people exist in our own lives. And I don't know, I just, I thought that was like a, one of the things that I really loved about Greta Gerwig's adaptation of the movie. Anyway, um, I, oh, also family values. I did have something else to say in that. I just also just from the mother-father dynamic, I don't talk so much about them as I do about the four sisters. So I thought it was just like a good thing to just like kind of knock them out of the park kind of early, um, I think in the Greta Gerwick movie, but I also think this is true for the books. but like the father is a central figure, but more of like in a mythological way, like in a be good woman because you know, father loves you and fathers in a war for you and for the country, and you want to be good woman um, because, you know, he's sacrificing so much. And I think like, that's like a, the myth of him that they love him and they hope that he's okay. And, you know, in the middle when he does get sick and there's like that entire dynamic of kind of coming together to deal with that. Um, but I think it's, I think like his presence in the book is more in the form of like, um, you know, he exists and he cares for you, but be good people because he's doing all this other stuff too. And I think it's, it's, it's very much like, I don't know, in in my head when I read the book for the first time, like years and years ago, but also watching the movie like millions of times, I think the father, he's involved, but only so much, only, only to like a very certain extent. And I think that it's still a very far removed, um, dynamic of it all and I think that I think that's okay because a lot of this movie does focus on womanhood um but I think it's interesting that at least at least in my perception I think the father was very much like a like a more of a myth and more of a, a something that people something that these girls idealized and cared for but wanted to just he was he was more of like a a moral keeper without him even being there and that's why I call keep calling him a myth anyway that's my take on the father, like a very far removed character and not necessarily at his own fault. Like Louisa May Alcott never like writes him as like this very like, you know, negative character in any way. But I think that in in in, in, at least in all the adaptations that I've seen and also in my interpretation of him in the book and then how he's shown in the movie, I think that there's like this maintaining his character as someone who's kind of like far away from the scene. Um, and for good reason. I think it's a, it's a book about, female experiences and I think that um it's just like a consequence of that whatever going on to the mom love her um I think I think the thing that strikes me the most like I know that she has like other like you know this there's, there's an entire thing about her being generous and her being like a great like mom in all the senses that people are good moms but I think the thing the the one scene that stuck out the most to me and I and I regularly think about this scene actually is like the one where her and joe are having a conversation about temper and anger and in the book i would say she talks about it a lot more in the context of her relationship with you know the father like with you know the girl's dad Uh, her husband i don't know why i kept saying with her husband but um but in in the movie there's there's more of this like agency over like why she's she's angry like that's the entire you know she she gives this talk she has this talk or this conversation with joe because joe does something in 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 a rage in like just like you know um a burst of, of rage and she regrets it later and she's just kind of like reflecting on why she's so angry and why she can't deal with it um and, and it's, it's like really great because i feel like i feel like women just don't often like admit to being angry not because they don't want to but because it's not like a pleasant thing to talk about anger when you're a girl, and talk about feeling rage, and I think it's becoming a thing. Like it's, I think in the past like, couple of years, it's definitely pop culture, and just I think we could talk about all the influences in music and in in and cinema and whatever that like has, created these characters who are in a way like more idealized for their anger and for their, indifference and intolerance to like people walking over them, whatever. But I think especially for a book written in the 19th century, but also I think this thing called still exists. I think that acceptance of like angry women is more of a thing that is accepted in pieces and accepted in like pretty scenes or like very controlled scenes in books and movies and whatnot. But I think like on a general level, like we're as a society are still not like comfortable seeing or talking about women being angry because you're always expected to be like the one who um, – like keeps the calm or like whatever like has all these like great things about you so you never get angry like whatever but I think it's like it, it's very validating in a way to see like both Joe go through like just being angry and not knowing how to deal with all this rage but then also the mother saying like no I deal with what you deal with and you know I come across as this really like calm and cool and collected motherly figure but I'm angry every day and I think there's something so validating about that because like you can experience like these really like, I don't know if anger is always negative, but these really strong emotions, but, you know, still be a kind person and still have all these other things that are great about you. But just like feeling emotion strongly is just one of the many aspects of of who you are and how you process things. And that's, I don't know, I think that 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 scene was very validating and her... Having that conversation with her daughter and being like no I get angry too and I've been dealing with my anger for a while and it's hard but it is what it is 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 it I don't know I I it's a scene that I think about a lot and I it's my like if I talk about the mother the marmy I I thought I talk about that scene kind of now going into the 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 sisters so okay just for some context i'm sure that anyone who even clicked on this podcast also i'm like 99 sure i'm not even talking to anyone right now Sash, no one's even listening but i mean if you're listening to this you're listening so that's something so hopefully you've like read or heard or like seen the movie little woman so you would know that there are four sisters um i probably should have done this a lot earlier into the podcast but it's okay we're learning um anyway the oldest sister name is Meg she's like this very like especially when she was younger she was this very very I would say optimistic but also also realistic but I would I I don't know I character I I characterize her more as optimistic but you know she was this girl who was like obsessed with glamour and like luxury and pretty things and having you know having pretty things and um I think, I think it's her who says, her or Amy, I can't remember who, who, like, in the movie says, like, it's so dreadful being poor because you can't have all these pretty things, and it's, like, in kind of, like, a very naive way that she says it, but it's, like, I don't know, I find it funny, but, you know, as she gets older, you see her fall in love with, like, Lori's tutor, I forget his name, but, you know, not, like, the most well-off guy, like, not a guy who would be able to, like, afford her anything more than, like, your standard house, and more than, like, more than your standard house, more than a standard house. And, um, you know, she's definitely not able to just like spend money on dresses and jewelry the way she would talk about when she was younger. And I think she's like this perfect representation. Again, I'm, I'm going to be talking about a lot of these characters th- through the lens of growing up and, you know, experiencing and saying goodbye to your childhood in different ways. And I think that Meg is very much, you know, the the personification of that, 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 well, not person, I would say, I would say that Meg is very much, you know, I would say that Meg's story is very much the story of when you're young, you're, you have all these expectations for all these things because you just, you just don't, it's not about being realistic, but it's more about like you don't understand, um, why everyone can't have everything and i think that's like very much a childlike thing to like just think that um everyone can have everything in the world and i think that for her like growing up wasn't necessarily like getting past that but it's more about like when you're older and you look back and you realize like oh i wanted all these things and now i'm here and it's not necessarily sad because she's still described as as this girl who like likes the situation that she's in like it's not perfect and i think that on on the one hand it could be like a story of growth and the story of like realizing that like you know wealth and material stuff is not everything and like having like you know someone that you really love by your side is like all and yada 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 like I think that's like a sweet message in its own way but I think it's I find it more interesting to think about that her story is more of like a representation of you know um having expectations and then Not meeting those expectations half because of you but also half because of just the just the way the world works and it's just that's that's her story of 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 not meeting her own expectations and um it's not necessarily things don't necessarily turn out poorly which I think almost like makes this entire dynamic so much better because it's not like she's like very obviously sad but it's like very obvious that like you would not have expected her to be like you know living in an average house and to, 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 to not have married wealthy and to not have um, pretty, you know, pretty things in the way that she wanted to have, especially because when you, when we saw her as a young girl, we saw her as someone who had her mindset to, to probably marry up and to, to live in society and like galas and, and go to, you know, get to wear ball gowns and do all this, just do stuff that rich people did. And she didn't get that. And it's not necessarily sad, but it's more of, like, a display of her reality, and I think that that's, um, it's also validating, and it's in in, in a way where you don't see, like, this, like, glamorous, happy ending. Um, I think, in, in a way, she does get her, like, quote, unquote, happy ending, because she does talk about how she realizes, like, you know, this is the life that she wanted, and she's happy with what she has, even if it's not, like, all this wealth but on the other hand I think that it's I think that even I think I think in exploring that storyline Greta Gerwig did show us that she's not she's not content because she didn't get what her child self wanted and that's and that's it and that's what it is and I think again it's like just the idea of of having these expectations for yourself and not meeting them. And it's not like you're worse off, but you're, because you're still, you know, you still have food on the table and you still have, you still met like your other expectations, but it's more just realizing that like, things do not work out the way, things don't always work themselves out is kind of the moral of her story, which is great, it's fine. Moving on to Joe, Joe, um, I feel like Taylor Swift when I say Joe, because I don't know if you've ever watched any of her like acceptance speeches, especially more lately, and she thanks Joe Alvin, and she's like, Joe, I had the most wonderful time like writing songs with you in quarantine, and she just says Joe in a very specific way, and I think it's, I don't know, it just kind of sticks in my head all the time whenever I talk about her. Anywho, talking about Joe... I love this character. I think everyone who feels any connection to Little Woman thinks like there's they're like the reincarnation of Joe. Um, but I think she has like all the, the main things like in a checklist that you would have for like a female character that a lot of like like unhinged college females <laughs> um like see themselves as. So I think like it's very fitting in its own way. I think she's very much the, you know, she's like this creative person who just has like this like complete like madness over wanting to achieve all these things and to have all these things more in like a less in a material way, the way like I think Meg had about like money and wealth and mansions and status in that way, but more of like a wanting to write and wanting to write in you know, in, 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 in really cool places and getting to travel and getting to adventure or whatever, all that stuff. And um I really like that her like her like energy is it's not described in like this like really like overly romanticized or overly like almost like un like an unnatural way, but it's more of like a going through dips and 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 finding your wave of of wanting to like do all everything and wanting to conquer the world and then like to having to take a step back and kind of like willing in your own reality, and then like having this like fervor of like creative energy all again, and then like you know you're just going through waves. And I think that part of Joe's creative madness is what like makes her so interesting to me. Um, and I think she's like a perfect display of also just like female ambition, and 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 I think that that experience. And I call it female ambition rather than just ambition because I think that ambition does mean and does play out differently when you're a girl. Um, Because even with like your dreams and with like this, you know, with like this like insane, not necessarily insane, but with like this energy of wanting to do all these different things, um, you are held not only by your own expectations, but just like by just larger expectations in society. And I think that's why female ambition, I think holds down, more weight in certain senses than other than just like using the word ambitions that's why that's just my little take on it I also one of the things that stuck out to me also just like her inability to handle criticism and I think that that's just like a reflection of her growing up in a household where she was always you know she was the only writer or well the only writer who did who wrote in the way that she did and she always like heard good things and when she gets older and is told things critically like when Friedrich that German professor says like I don't love your writing it 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 messes with her and it kind of reminds me of Rory Gilmore um I haven't really watched Gilmore girls but the entire like all of Gilmore girls is always on my for you page because it's it's very much in my demographic to have watched it but I just haven't gone into it slash so it's like too long for me to actually watch so at this point I just like kind of memorize the plot points through my for you page and that's why I'm able to like make these references but it kind of reminds me of Rory, and I don't remember who rejected her, but someone definitely told her that her writing's not great, and it kind of messed with her. And I think that Joe is Joe went through something similar, but she kind of got back on her track. But I think her inability to handle criticism is both like endearing in the way of you kind of see why she is the way that it is. She is, but just her reaction to it, um, and later on, like her her kind of regret over how. Um, quick to anger she was. And I think that I think I just think that her her it's never it's not always just like her reaction in the moment but it's a lot of her reeling afterwards that make the experience so realistic and um you're able to see yourself in like her like emotional disarray because it goes through so many waves and I just think that's part of um why she's just such a relatable character for so many. Um, I think that there's also like you know this idea of yeah just just her general excitement it's it's literally like contagious and um it's it's also like this was something that I thought about kind of when I was like writing um up what I wanted to say for this little podcast segment but I thought a little bit about how interesting it is that like especially for this for this um for this in in, in like the time span that this plot kind of plays out which is like they're still young relatively young um I think Jo like in my head I don't know what her exact age is when she's like at her oldest but I I would still say that it's in her like her her early 20s but you still see them quite young and you still you know I I don't I don't know if I'm going to be like my the best version of myself for like years to come and I've accepted that like I think that there will still be parts of my personality that will be too intense, and some parts that will need to be kind of like upped a little bit, and not necessarily like to change how I react to things, but just to like react in ways that um, means that I've like grown, and that means that I've made progress in just like my own humanity, whatever that means. But my point being, like, I think like I've realized that like. I'm not going to be the absolute best version of myself for like years to come until I've like gone through, you know, until I've kind of spent more time on this planet and had experiences that shape, um, you know, becoming a better version of yourself in whatever way that means. And my, I'm saying all this to kind of bring it back to this book in where we see these characters still imperfect. But I think a lot of their imperfectness still has to do a lot with like just being young rather than just like being flawed characters. Like all characters are flawed. I think that when people write perfect characters, it's, it's extremely annoying because you're like, what am I reading? Like this is completely unrealistic. But I think like a lot of their more major flaws have a lot to do with growing up and not having grown up enough yet, um, which are both really great things on it. Yeah. So my entire point being like, I think that there's still like a lot of this like naive excitement, but it's not all naive because she does end up publishing a book by the end of the movie. So that's great. But um, there's a lot of her excitement that I think I just personally attribute to just like being excited about having all this creativity rushing through you all the time and being young and not having... 50 million responsibilities and i think that that's i think that i think that with meg when she gets older we see that that dims down a lot because she's she fits really into you know she very quickly becomes like this very fits into that very domestic um little cookie cutter life that she had planned for herself so it's okay but i think that you know her excitement of dampens not only because she didn't meet meet her expectations but also like growing up or becoming an adult in whatever sense of the word um, kind of did that to her and I think Jo in not only like saying that she doesn't want to get married but also in kind of just rejecting the idea of growing up is able to do all these incredible things in part because she rejects the notion that she has to become realistic or become practical in whatever sense of the word um, so that's my little stuff on her I also just like wanted to kind of give a nod to the ending because I want to talk about the ending like separately later on in the podcast but I also think it's kind of fitting to just say my thoughts about it right now because um, I'm talking about Joe in my in my opinion but I also think this is like literally it I in my okay when I first watched the movie, I thought this was what was happening. And then later on, I realized there was like a debate on this because people thought different things about the ending. In my humble opinion, I think that Joe does not end up getting married to Friedrich. And it's very obvious in my opinion, because she's literally having a conversation with her publisher about, you know, not wanting her character to get married. And then he pressures her into marrying her off. And that's when we see her, you know, get kind of like, reach a conclusion with Friedrich and being like oh I actually like you whatever in my opinion all that is part of her book which then gets published by the very end of the movie so um my entire point being that um either way if you do think that she ends up married well I think that she did it for the wrong reasons. She entirely did it because she was lonely and because she was scared about missing out her, on her childhood and, you know, not having, like, her sisters around her anymore and her sisters moving on. And, and, and in a way, her parents also moving on or being, like, kind of eloped by their grief over Beth's death. Um, and I think that if she does, if you believe that she does end up getting married, it's, I in my head, it's solely because of that. If you think she doesn't end up getting married... I think that there is definitely a lot more. I think she's definitely off at a better in a a better place than she would be otherwise. But at the same time, I still think that there is this remained sadness just from the viewpoint of you know still mourning her childhood and still kind of being stuck um, in the fairy tale of what it was like when you know she had her four sisters around her all the time when she was in that very picturesque cozy. Um, family and when she was just writing and and, and getting applauded for writing anything and um, I think there's like some sadness to that as well anyway moving on Amy oh my god Amy Amy gets a lot of trash all the time particularly because of Lori because everyone's like she's still Lori get over it I think Amy is that character okay you know those people everyone has these people so this is this is you're going to think of a person when I say this they're like those people like I feel like in just in my head maybe it's because I'm a college student but I always think of them in more of like an academic way but there are those people who like have their life together like all the time or it's not even about having their life together but it's more about like things just fall into place for them like all the time and it's not and you know it's not necessarily always because like they're like putting in more work or because of like all these other factors but it's just like things just always work out for them and I think Amy is literally just like that character come to life it's it's about like a girl who I think it's some of it is like young younger sibling syndrome of just like not realizing um you know that she is kind of ignorant and like not really emotionally intelligent in some, certain ways like not realizing how her actions hurt people or like reacting to big you know it, reacting too big reacting not big enough or not thinking through something enough um I attribute a lot of that to like younger just being a younger child I also think that um she's like the literally the character that gets things without trying and I think that um joe is that character who's always trying and doesn't really get things but she does get stuff in the end she publishes a book but amy is just like that character who gets whatever she wants and things are hard for her but like on the surface level she has major victories in in literally every sphere um you know if we talk about like just like you know at the very end being able to get close enough to that aunt that really rich one i forget her name um like Aunt march i would yeah Aunt, Aunt march and just getting really close with her like just before she was you know going to leave for europe even though joe had been working with Aunt march for like years i believe um you know and then getting to go to europe and getting to go to like painting class and then being like courted by like two guys and like you know getting to marry rich like she always wanted unlike meg who kind of didn't go down that rabbit hole even though everyone thought she would And also ending up with Lori, who she, like, was obsessed with since since she was a kid. And in all those ways, like, you really see her kind of, like, leave least scathed in a way. But at the same time, I think that there is this sadness, even though, again, I'm kind of keeping on with my little theme of, like, how there's something kind of little bit, like, off with all these characters and, and their conclusions and I'm saying all this because it, like, adds up to something at the end. But, um, yeah, I think, I think like, she still ends up with Lori who, like, I mean, in my head, Lori, Lori's first choice was always Joe. And he ended up with Amy only because um, he couldn't get Joe. So, at the end of the day, she's, like, married to someone who she was a ch- second choice for. And I don't know if it's something that she, like, automatically feels very sad towards, or something that she even realizes. I think it goes back to my earlier point about how she's like a lot of she's pretty ignorant to a lot of ways that she affects people or she hurts people or whatever else. Um, but that's just my take on her, and um, I've always thought of her as that character. I remember the first time I read about her, I remember just being really like I was most enamored and like drawn by her character more so than Joe actually. And then when I read, read, when I watched the 2019 movie, I was also just like in love with her character more so. Just not more in love, but just, I think that her character um, just like really personifies that individual. I don't know why I keep saying personifies, but just is like literally just the, the version of that character, of that person. And I, I have, I, I can think of multiple people when I'm saying, when I'm talking about those people who like get everything what they want without even trying. Um, but I think she's like literally just she's the sister who who has that experience and I mean good for her in a way I don't know. Beth, Beth, oh my God, okay. Whenever I think of Beth, I really do think of that "Right Where You Left Me" song from it's one of the bonus tracks in the *Evermore* album by Taylor, *by Taylor Swift*. Um, I think a lot of people talk about Joe and how she kind of had a hard time letting go of her childhood, but I think Beth really went through it. Like I think Joe still had like this fire in her to like go out and write and see New York and see other places and all that stuff but I think Beth was really this person I think half of it was because she was like the youngest at the mall so she still hadn't like grown old enough to like call her own shots and decide what she wanted to do but I think even if she got older she wouldn't have done that just because of her nature um but I think she really much is like this character who just was left at home alone and I think like I'm in love with like what Greta Gerwig does with like the scenes where like you have like really golden cozy scenes for their childhood and then very blue um kind of cold scenes for their you know when they're adults um and I think that she's just stuck in that very bright cozy place and just isn't able to see that that's not where people are anymore and she mourns that um and um, that's all I really have to say for her. She kind of ends up dying later on. And I don't know why her character death didn't like affect me as much, kind of because I kind of saw it coming. Um, even the first time that I read that book, I knew it was going to happen. So that probably hurt the experience for me. But um, I just think that that conclusion just made a lot of sense for her because she's she very much is just the character who, who loved too much and who who cared the most and cared more than most people and, um, you know, it, nothing changed about the situation. It just ended, um, and that's what it was. Laurie, he's just a side character. I don't have much to say about him. I just I don't I don't think a lot about him when I think about the books, if I'm being honest, or even the movie. I think that he was more of a character used to talk about the other girls growing up and their own. of relationships with growth and finding kinship and whatever else um yeah that's my take on him sorry if you were expecting something more exciting okay now to my favorite part kind of getting to the end of this little rant I kind of just want to go off about Louisa May Alcott for like two seconds if I may this wonderful lady she was born in 1832 died in 1888 um she she's she did a lot of incredible stuff but one of the first things I want to talk about her um I think she's she's done she's written so much so much incredible material and she's written about some really incredible topics it's not all novels and, and and I know Little Woman is the thing that she's most known for but I know she wrote like a couple other books and short stories and whatnot but she also she was she worked at in hospitals um And she wrote also a lot about poor healthcare system, the poor healthcare system, mismanaged hospitals, about like careless doctors and surgeons. And I think that's so remarkable, especially because it's something that I talk a lot about, a lot of, a lot about. Um, So it was just like really cool to learn that she wrote about this very like specific and like you know this like very very specific topic because I, I just didn't know that about her so that was something that I just wanted to talk about because I got really excited when I heard when I read about that um but yeah she, we kind of covered this earlier but she was a feminism especially for her time and she wrote about a lot of a lot of a lot of feminism was written into her um writing I think that a lot of people I think unfor- it's, it's an unfortunate it's an unfortunate thing that happens but it happens where a lot of times really great literature just gets m- watered down for like one or two romances in the in the book and then that's all that ever gets talked about um little woman definitely has that experience where like everything that only only thing people like talk about or argue over that movie is like how sad it is that like joe didn't end up with laurie and how like weird it is that joe ended up with amy like that's all that ever gets talked about and um I don't know my favorite part about her writing especially in terms of relationships was just like she talked about how romance wasn't you know necessarily this like really pretty cupid like heart eyes flowers like all you know that that entire like very romanticized version of marriage and whatever else that we are kind of just that we kind of have shoved down our throat through like movies and pop culture and like literally everything else like literature conversations whatever um a lot of her discussion or like her portrayal of these relationships is very like she does she says she does it all in a very practical way like she I think she does a very good job of talking about how these um in, in most cases a lot of these like romantic relationships especially for the 18th or for the 19th century weren't like because A fell in love with B, but it was because of economic propositions or, um, you know, just like something being very transactional and then not necessarily having this really like great or magnificent end. And, um, I don't know, I, that's one of the things that I like the most about her talking, her writing, especially like when she even writes about relationships, but she writes about them in a very practical way. And in my head, that's a very realistic way. And I think it's like a very refreshing take on like, you know, in, even incorporating romance in your books, which like basically every author does because apparently that's the only way to sell your books. Um, But I think that, even having to write about these characters in the way that she did, she still managed to write it in a very practical and realistic way, which I really appreciate. Um, also, I think it's like really interesting how Joe and all the other characters in the family are very much a reflection of her and her life. I think Joe, very obviously, was Louisa May Alcott, and I think that like Greta Garwick did a really good job of giving a nod to. Louisa May Alcott and her experience of writing the book, especially near the end where the publisher was kind of like going back and forth with her about having to get the character Joe married or else, you know, the book was not going to sell. And Louisa May Alcott went through a very similar experience with, um, you know, when she was like writing her books and stages and then the audience as well as her publishers were demanding that Joe end up married. And I think it's kind of really funny that she was petty enough to like make her end up with Friedrich instead of Laurie the way that everyone wanted um which is one of the other reasons why I really love that Laurie and Joe did not end up together but I also think that it's a really um I don't know I really like Greta Gerwig's nod to to that entire dynamic I also really like that at the very end and I guess we're kind of getting to talking about the ending at this point but um at the very end where the publisher's kids kind of run up to him and are like what are what is this like what ha- happens next like in in the very first um I think like excerpt that he gets or the very first um couple of chapters that he gets from joe of the book and i think it's really great because i think that's a very great um not to kind of why that book became really popular in the first place i think the very domestic details of the book is what caught people's attention i like to think of the book as like a vlog um in a sense i think like i've thought about this a lot actually and i th- thought a lot about like why people really liked the very domestic nature of the book and I think I always wonder like why I really like some of my favorite movies are movies where like nothing particularly great happens you just kind of get to watch people exist and people like go through ups and downs and just live out these really mundane days sometimes or lives whatever it be and I realized like that's like the marketing or that's like the brilliance of vlogs as well like you just like seeing the just the day-to-day um Kind of details of someone else's life, and it's one of the. I mean, I, I feel like I see that in my conversations too, where sometimes I'll like Facetime someone, and I'll just like give them a rundown of my day, or I'll I'll talk to my mom and I'll just like literally tell her every de- detail of my day for no other reason than just wanting to talk about what happened. Um, and there's something really like interesting about just like knowing the mundane details of what's what happened, and I think that was like the brilliance. Or not? I don't. I don't want to say brilliance in a way that I. I don't know. I think the brilliant the word brilliance could be used, but I think that's just also what really played in for the success of the book, along with her brilliant writing, obviously. But um, and then we can get into this entire other conversation about like the war and how it was really helpful to see like you know a, a story of kinship and family and all these other good values and whatnot. Um. And kind of just like getting to the ending, I think that I kind of just wanted to get back to a couple of my points about like, just loving how mundane the ending is. Like nothing like huge happens. Like I I think from aside the book publishing, nothing like very big happens for anyone and that's okay. And I think that I love it so much because that's how it is. Like most things don't end up in like some very perfect, everything wrapped up, no loose ends, like, you know, things don't end up that way, Um, and I think that it's one of the reasons why I love the story so much, it's because you just hear about these people's lives, and there's, like, no conclusion, and there's no, like, oh, things worked out the way they had to work out, it's more of, like, you heard about their lives, and it was messy, and feelings got hurt, and, um, you know, things happened and you read this entire thing or you watched this entire movie about these people and that's it and there's no brilliant ending there's no brilliant like you know all these things happen it's a very mundane like these are the circumstances and that's how it is and that's the other thing about like I kept bringing up like the sadness or not sadness but there's like kind of like clink in the armor that all these girls had and I really like that that exists because um a, like it makes for like imperfect characters, which is always great. But um, it also just adds to the sense of like a very mundane ending um, in the sense that again, nothing spectacular resolves for anyone. Um, a lot of the fundamental things that a lot of these girls like had problems with, they exist even after the ending of the, the movie, the ending of the book. And that's, that's how it is. And, and that's what it is okay very last point that I wanted to make is um kind of going back to like the very very ending of the book especially like in relation to like oh does she marry Friedrich does she not is that part of the book is that part of what actually happens in her life again as I said in my opinion it's all about what happens in the book because in her real life that does not end up being true because she just she's like said multiple times she doesn't want that to be true so like let the girl live um but I really like something that Greta Gerwig says, I think in one of the interviews about the books and about the movie. And she says, this is not a story of boy gets girl, but a story of girl gets book. And I don't know why I just really like that quote, but I think it very perfectly surmises like my interpretation of the book, but also my opinions on like all the discourse around the book. I think that it's like this wonderful story of girls growing up and experiencing like letdowns and growth and, and ending of childhood in like four very separate ways and and that's the book and I think it's great and I and I love it and I could I've talked about it way longer than probably was necessary I'm sure no one is listening right now that's okay um but I'm I'm really excited that I got to share just some of my thoughts, some, um, a lot of my thoughts on this remarkable story, this remarkable movie. I would love to talk about like the movies in terms of comparing the movies, but I feel like that podcast episode would go on for like hours, which is not great. So we'll see if that ever happens, but well, thank you for listening. And that's really all I have for today. Um, all right, I'm gonna go to sleep now. So yeah.